Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast presented by First Federal Bank. It's Monday, June 27th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Today we ask and answer questions about the Chiefs. Beat writer Jesse Newell played along. We talked about such topics as which player has the most to prove this season, who becomes the team's defensive leader with Tyra Matthew gone, and which AFC West team had the best offseason. Jesse and I agree on some, disagreed on others. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Okay, let's get started talking Chiefs. We're talking Chiefs with Jesse Newell and not Herbie Teope, who uh, busy this morning and couldn't join us, but uh, great to catch up with Jesse. Uh, we got, uh, I thought today, Jesse, we would, we would, uh, I'd pose some questions to you and then uh, maybe we'd come up with some definitive answers on the Chiefs this season. So uh, now you've been covering baseball this weekend. I hope you got your your Chiefs thinking cap on. I definitely do. These are perfect because um, this is the ones you bookmark, Blair. You go and you wait till the season's over, you bookmark this, and then you clip out the little 10-second audio of me saying something completely ridiculous, and you come back and say, hey, Jesse, you're an idiot. So, yeah, this is perfect. Let's uh, let's make some prognostications. I've got the crystal ball on my desktop here. I shined it up. Uh, it's really clear. So, well, let, let's do this. All right. Um, and we're not going to predict any record. We'll, we'll wait a while, at least a week, right, before we do that. <laughs> Uh, but but I do have a list of questions that I thought you and I would uh, we would discuss. And let's start with this one. <clears throat> now that um, you know, now that OTAs are over and we're w- waiting for training camp, I thought it was a good time to ask which chief has the most to prove this season. Now, I, I I've got a couple of lists here. I got an offensive list and a defensive list. Um, but I want to hear your uh, your answer to that. Which chief has the most approved this year? Give me your top guy. Yeah, I, I, that's a really good question. I, I'm going to go with Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Um, I think he's obviously the Chiefs have invested in him. He was a first-round pick. He's battled these injuries. But, you know, they've not been good at running back. And he really hasn't proven himself in this league. And uh, the Chiefs have to make a decision next year starting uh, if they want his fifth-year option or not. And right now, it just it hasn't come together for him, you know, when they took him, the Chiefs thought that, or I'm sure they thought that they'd get a pass catching back, and he hasn't really caught passes. He's not been explosive and hasn't made big plays. And all of a sudden, you know, the Chiefs signed Ronald Jones in the offseason. They bring back Jerick McKinnon. And we know that they've done a great job in the past of having pulling these guys from the seventh round and or undrafted off the scrap heap and, and turning them into productive running backs. So I think he's got the most to prove because the Chiefs need him to be better. That offensive line blocking has been pretty good when it comes to run blocking. And we know um, that the Chiefs love to pass. But if they could get more power run game going, I think they could be a much more effective offense than they were a year ago. So, um, you know, he still gets the the longer leash because of when he was drafted and the, the pedigree he has, but I think he has the most to prove on this roster because if he has another unproductive season, uh, then this is not going to work out well in Kansas City, or at least as they anticipated it would when they took him in the first round. He was my number one choice on offense. There we go. I agree with you. Um, so this show's already off to a boring start. We're just agreeing <laughs> with uh, but but you you listed the the reasons uh, that uh, that it is going to be that it needs to be a big season for him. Heck, they went out and got a running back in the draft as well, who they like in uh, Isaiah Pacheco, the the running back in the seventh round from Rutgers. So there is some 
uh, not a pressure. Yeah, you know, there's there's some expectation for him that maybe hasn't been there for for Clyde Edwards-Helaire in previous years. You know, I remember him in college. He was such a, a productive player on that great LSU team that, mm-hmm. uh, that went 15 and 0 and had you know the Joe Burrow team. It was just a fantastic team and a great offense. And you're right. I and and, and, and you know so much was expected hit from him as a pass catcher, and it was it was kind of a questionable call to take him in the first round. The Chiefs, as we know in recent history, don't often have first round draft selections. They use the one that they have had in recent years to take him. You know, this past year, you know, not not included in that. But um, but yeah, I. And, and then his, his opening game, I remember the it was a Thursday night game. They were coming off the Super Bowl, and he has a big game. He, he played well, had a long touchdown run, and people were so excited about him. But I think mainly because of the injuries, we haven't got we, we haven't gotten the full flavor of Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And for that reason, I I'm with you. I, I think this is a this is a big season for him, and um, and, and that position needs to needs to produce. Yeah, and, and it's interesting, but I was going back and watching some of like the Cincinnati game over again, and there was a play in the in the second half. You know, you go back and look at all these plays that kind of get magnified, but the Chiefs uh, ran a, a, a guard tackle counterplay. They can't kind of two guys pull around the edge, and Clyde Edward uh, Alaire, Clyde Edwards Alaire kind of followed the block to the hole, and it was him one-on-one with a safety, four yards past the line of scrimmage. And he tried to kind of juke backwards to make a huge run. And he got hit by the safety right in the hole and, and popped backwards. And so I think that's sort of what we're talking about here. If you are a first round running back and you get to that spot, he, he basically could have followed his puller and fell forward and got eight or nine yards. Or he could make that juke move and make the safety miss and get about 50 or 60. Instead, that's sort of the problem with Clyde right now is that he tried to make the big play move didn't get it, didn't make the guy miss, and then fell backwards for four yards instead of falling forward for nine. So it's like, again, with Ronald Jones, you sort of know what you're going to get. You get a running back who's going to hit the hole hard. He's going to do it immediately. He's going to fall forward. That's something the Chiefs could use. Or if you have a home run back like Clyde Edwards-Lair, if, if he can juke there and make the guy miss and go run for 60 yards and change that entire game, the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. So one of those things needs to happen. You know what I mean? Like they either need to have more power game from him and they need to have him fall forward and have these running plays against light boxes turn into eight or nine yards, or they need him to make that move and juke and hit the home run, but he's not doing either right now. So, so that's kind of the pressure that's on that. I want to hear your defensive guy, though. I've got one in mind. Uh, I've got a couple in mind, actually, but who's number one on your list there? You know, I've uh, uh, I've got three names listed, and uh, when I did this yesterday, I, I did not have the courage of my convictions. I was really shaking. <laughs> and in fact, I'm actually going to switch it um, and, and not go with the one I had listed last night, but change it up to the guy I had second last night, and that is Juan Thornhill. Okay. I, I I'm... The, the absence of, of Tyron Matthew, a player we'll talk about a little bit later, um, and as part of another question, I think puts a, a more of a spotlight on Juan Thornhill, who overdelivered in his rookie season and gave a, he made the uh, the NFL's all rookie team. Uh, was injured in the final regular season game that year, so didn't get to participate in the in the Chiefs' run to the Super Bowl championship, but really whetted the appetite for a player who, gosh, he's, he's going to be terrific. 
We haven't seen that since. Injuries have played a role, you know, common theme here, the injuries. But um, I, I think there is a lot on his shoulders going into this season. He's um, He has got to be a guy who steps up. He's, he's going to be the chief center fielder. And um, in, in, in a division now with terrific quarterbacks and great wide receivers, he's going to be in the spotlight often. I think he really needs to step up and be the player that he was as a rookie year that we expected him to take into his second and third season, but we haven't seen it yet. So I've got a couple other names here, but Thornhill goes to the top of my list. Yeah. And he obviously uh, a couple weeks ago, he made us all happy as scribes because he talked about how he was not quite the guarantee, but saying he was going to make all pro this year, which, um, you know, like there's, yeah, I mean, he's showing that inner confidence and saying, hey, I'm raising the expectations for myself. And that's the standard I'm holding myself to. So, uh, yeah, he's obviously uh, put that on his shoulders for this upcoming year. And as you mentioned, w- without the two safeties that they they lost over the offseason, uh, there's more playing time, more reward for Juan Thornhill to step in and, and do that sort of thing alongside uh, Justin Reed and then Brian, who could they draft in the second round? Who else is on that list for you, Blair? Well, two a little more obvious ones, I think. Frank Clark and, and Chris Jones. Because when Frank, you cl- Yeah. So, so just to, re- to review, the question is, you know, what chief has the most to prove. And when you think about that, um, it's, it's, it's not usually a rookie because they haven't proved anything yet, or it's not a, you know, a player who is continued, uh, you know, a, a perennial all pro or pro bowler. It's somebody, usually a veteran who tends to fall short of expectation. That's, that's who, um, you know, we, we talk about with, with this list. And I think both, especially Frank Clark comes into play here. Uh, Chris Jones, of course, that's just based on um, a lot of it on the, on the last game that he played in, in, in that AFC title game without you know, not, not getting the sack and really hurting the Chiefs in, in that way. But he's an excellent player. Uh, he is a pro bowler. I, I, I think a lot of Chris Jones, I've, I've enjoyed covering him and following his career um, I think it's a very important year for Chris Jones, but I, I think for the Chiefs to have the kind of success they, they need to have with the upfront, Frank Clark's got to be a better player than than he has been in the last two seasons. Yeah, again, you wonder about the injuries because it seems like there have been moments where Frank Clark comes out and you're like, wow, who is that guy? Um, there's stretches where he is dominant, and then there's just these long stretches where um, they are not getting much out of him. So I I probably would have put him at the top of the list, as you mentioned, and not only add to that that he was excused from um, the mandatory minicamp. You know, there's been Instagram photos of him a little bit skinnier uh, out there. So we're kind of he's kind of like this mystery man right now uh, that the Chiefs brought back, but they really don't have that safety net right now, a defensive line. And uh, you talked about not usually putting rookies on here. Uh, I will say the Chiefs are in a fascinating scenario with what they did with the draft that I could throw probably Trent McDuffie and or George Karloftis on there just because they need those guys. I mean, they need them to play right away. The McDuffie thing is kind of fascinating because if you just look at Spagnuolo and his history, you know, Kyrie Elam, who went to the Bills right after, that's probably more his prototype, more his mold, the taller corner that, you know, he loves to have that can, can battle for the ball up in the air. Trent McDuffie is more technically sound. Um, you know, and, and obviously doesn't have the same length. So that's sort of an interesting one. And then I just talked about this no safety net at defensive line and, and def- especially defensive end. And so that's where George Karloftis 
<laughs> he's got to play, man. Like these guys have got to have high floors for the Chiefs. Those guys have got to be starters from day one, and that's not something that you normally have said about rookies in the past with the Chiefs. So um, that'll be a fascinating thing to watch as well. But yeah, if uh, if we were going to put this up there and you asked me to pick the defensive player, Frank Clark uh, jumps to the top of the list. You know, those who have started as rookies for the Chiefs over the uh, the Andy Reid era, and let's just say since 2015, have actually performed pretty well. They, they've had solid contributions from rookie starters. I go back to Marcus Peters in 2015, got an interception on the first defensive snap that he was on the field for. And, you know, you go through even the year before that with Tyreek Hill, and or I'm sorry, a year later with Tyreek Hill, and, you know, go on through players like uh, Thornhill we talked about earlier, Legereus. The offensive, the offensive lineman oh. last year, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, yeah. Absolutely. That's that's terrific scouting and identifying talent that could come in and, and start right away. And, um, yes, Trent McDuffie, George Karloftis um, have to perform well. I would say Brian Cook is another one that they're going to count on in, in a big way on the defensive side in, in his rookie season. Um, and I don't know. What about Leo Chanel? What, um, what, what, what do you think about him as a um, as somebody who they're going to depend on in in a um, in, in a bigger way than we might expect for a rookie? Yeah, I mean, I I think uh, obviously he's a big hitter, adds physicality to the defense, something that they were needing a year ago. Um, his role is just. It's kind of interesting when you play that Sam linebacker because um, now the NFL has gone to so many of these uh, nickel packages, sub packages. So how much he'll be on the field with that, how much they'll play that base will be something um, to watch out there because Bolton taking over at middle linebacker and then obviously Willie Gay at weak side. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see kind of how that plays out. But obviously, Chanel is a guy that I think will be a fan favorite from the start and uh, will play productive snaps from the beginning. I think the Chiefs probably have to like that they were able to get him such at such a late point where he should be a rotational defensive player, if nothing else. Okay. All right, Jesse, let's, let's take a break here. I got a couple more questions and uh, that I want to get to, but we'll take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about a position of interest and what we think about. I'll tease a little bit. We're going to talk about wide receiver. All right. We'll be back in just a moment. Buying your first home is a huge milestone, but the journey there can be confusing. First Federal Bank of Kansas City is here to make it simple. After nearly a century of serving the KC community, our loan advisors have experience in every type of housing market. With a short phone call, we can give you a free rate quote and talk through loan options. No pressure, no obligation. The road to home ownership can be simple with First Federal Bank. Get started with a free quote at ffbkc.com homes. First Federal Bank of Kansas City, because banking is personal. Member FDIC, Equal Housing when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading 
and listening. We're back on Sportsbeat KC, talking Chiefs with beat writer Jesse Newell. And we just went through our thoughts on who we think has the most to prove in, um, for the Chiefs this season. We did not name a wide receiver, but that's the position we're going to talk about now because the question I have for you, Jesse, is which of the wide receivers will lead the Chiefs in receptions this year? So by asking it that way, we take Travis Kelsey out of the equation. Uh, the tight end, and we take out a running back. Clyde Edwards-Alaire could, you know, they. That, I don't think it ends up leading the Chiefs. I, I don't think the Chiefs are going to have one of those seasons where you know Jamal Charles is, you know, catching you know passes for a thousand yards and like he did early in, in the Andy Reid era. But sticking to uh, sticking to wide receivers specifically, which of the Chiefs and there's a couple newcomers here. Uh, who will lead the Chiefs in receptions among wide receivers? What do you got, Jesse? Yeah, we'll go quicker on these so we can get through them as well. But I think I probably have changed my mind three times <laughs> during OTAs and mini camps because you're trying to take the latest information in and kind of watch how guys are gelling with Pat and trying to figure it out. Um, I think I I think I'll stick with the safe pick and say Juju. Uh, the Reason for that is he's a big target. He's kind of known as the over the middle guy, uh, at least when he was in Pittsburgh, the guy that'll, you know, big catch radius will catch it for five, fall forward for seven, that sort of thing. Kind of kind of like another quasi tight end on the field, if you if you will. But having said that, I mean, if we're just talking production, I think MVS has been kind of the, the story so far, uh, his connection with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, his talk and Andy Reid's talk about how they want to use him more in intermediate routes and not just as a guy who runs off defenses and goes for the long bombs every single time. So I think he'll be plenty involved. And I guess if you had me guess at which receiver would be the most productive throughout the season, I'd probably uh, put my little roulette chip on MVS at this point. But receptions are probably not going to be as much his thing as a guy like Juju. And um, this is also banking on Juju staying healthy, which has not always been the case with him. He's still younger, but obviously missed uh, the greater part of last season with with an injury and had to sit out. So um, we'll see how this plays out. But I think I will revert back to Juju, at least when it comes to receptions. But early word in camp and kind of from what we saw out there is that MVS is probably going to be a little bit utilized a little bit differently than he was in Green Bay, which could mean better things for all you fantasy players out there if you're able to draft him on draft day. You heard it here first. Okay. Um, listen, Juju Smith-Schuster has a uh, – he has a 111 reception season. And he has a 97 reception season. That is by far greater than either um, MVS or McCole Hardman uh, in terms of experienced wide receiver. So that points to Juju Smith being the, the the favorite target of Patrick Mahomes. It's just you know difficult for me to uh, to accept that a player that Patrick Mahomes has not thrown to in his career will end up with a you know 90 to 100 reception type season when he has on his team a player who he has thrown to several times and that is McCole Hardman which is why I'm going to uh, I'm going to say it's McCole Hardman uh, he in it last year he had a career high 59 receptions and only two touchdowns though he had he had a better uh, he had a couple of good games in the playoffs but in terms of the regular season 59 catches for uh, uh, with two touchdowns in the, in the season, which Juju Smith-Schuster had 100, 111 receptions, 
he had seven touchdowns that year. And uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling in 2018, 38 receptions, two touchdowns. That's a career high, 38 receptions for him. So um, I don't know if I see that jumping from 38 to you know 75 or 80. That's I just don't see it that way. Uh, but I do see McCole Hardman adding 15 to 20 receptions. He's going to be the guy, don't you think? He'll be the guy who catches the uh, you know the pop pass, not the pop pass, but the little the little quick uh, what what amounts to an end around sort of thing and plays that Tyreek Hill specialized in. I think McCole Hardman will get his share more than his share of those this year, and I think that'll add to his totals. We'll we'll see. I, I do think that Hardman and Juju Smith Schuster will be up in the. I don't know, 75 to 85 reception range and um, hopefully more touchdowns between them than, um, than uh, you know, the handful that they combined for in their best years. So I'm going Mark, uh, I'm going McCole Hardman for my answer. I like that. Put it on the board. We have the difference in opinion. One of us will be smart here in nine months. Right. Okay. Got another question for you. <clears throat> Tyron Matthew with the Saints. I, I, I'm sorry to see that happen. Um, uh, you know, the, the Chiefs not only lose a terrific safety, guys, a guy who plays the position so well, but a defensive leader. And by that, he's the guy that, um, you know, when players are mic'd up and when you, or the microphones are hanging over the, the sidelines, he's the voice you hear. When the team gathers before the game, you know, after they warm up and then they gather in their, you know, their their 53-player huddle, he's the one who's in there speaking, um, the one talking, the hype guy. And now he's gone. So the Chiefs are going to need someone else on the defensive side to, to be that person. And I want to ask you, Jesse, who is best qualified to be the defensive hype guy, to be the defensive leader, someone who can inspire and motivate teammates um, and you know, just just be the guy who's going to get in someone's face when it needs to happen. Yeah, this is a small sample size warning here because, again, you're talking about a lot of players who either haven't done the role or are new to the Chiefs. But which, just which makes it a good question. Yeah, it makes it a good question. Good job, Blair. Um, I will go with Justin Reed. I think from our talk with him and some of the things that he's done previously, um, it's it's sort of more difficult to gauge his last few years with the Texans because it's the Texans. Um, but very well spoken. Uh, seemed like a guy who stepped in right away and kind of took control of the the back end and sec- secondary. He's been around a while, so it's not a, a rookie or a second-year player talking. I think you have some other candidates, and this might be the direction you go, Blair, because obviously Nick Bolton has gotten the green dot that Herbie loves to write about where he uh, gets to communicate to the defense with the uh, headset in his helmet. Uh, Willie Gay has talked about becoming more vocal, and obviously he's uh, kind of growing into the league as well. Chris Jones says he's sort of more of an action guy, but obviously his production speaks for itself and uh, his motivation to be better than he was in the Cincinnati game came out pretty clear in the interviews where we talked to him. But 
Uh, I think when you're talking about just a direct replacement of Tyron Matthew and what Justin Reed's done in his career and kind of the personality type that he seemed to portray to us in that uh, short media session that we had, I think he's the guy for the defense that could be the sort of leader that you're talking about. So might be out on a limb a little bit to say a newcomer is going to step in right away and have that. But I guess that's sort of what Tyron did when he came to the Chiefs as well as a free agent was he stepped into that role pretty immediately too. So I will go with Justin Reed and I will ask you now, who is your answer for this question? Well, you've mentioned the next three guys that were on my list and in, in uh, almost in order, not quite, but um, my guy is, is Nick Bolton. Um, there you go. You know, so my question back to you is, uh, and, it, as, and it applies also to Justin Reed, do you have to have a, uh, or how much of a level of talent is required to to have the you know the trust and confidence of your teammates to be a leader it's it's one thing to you know to get in someone's face and yell or something but if you don't back it up on the field i'm not sure how much that is you know that's going to work or help and so kind of second year player in Nick Bolton who was terrific last year uh led the team in tackles and improved throughout the year um does he have the credentials to to be a leader on this defense what do you think yeah, he definitely could. I mean, I I don't want to misquote Bill Self, but he always had a similar saying to that, which is, it's really hard to be a leader from the bench. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's a certain level of, I need to be able to play well, because guys are going to listen to somebody who, hey, that's nice of you to say that, but you are not playing. You know, you're not one of the most productive players on the team. Nick Bolton should be, though. Uh, and again, at middle linebacker, uh, he produced stats last year when he wasn't a middle linebacker with the tackles and all those sorts of things. But for a second-year player, yeah, it's it's a question. Will, will he be able to uh, to step into that for the Chiefs and be that kind of guy, as you mentioned, that they're going to be missing without Tyron there? And I, I, he definitely could be. Again, same sort of thing with the interviews. Impressed with what he's talked to us about and, and what he wants to deliver here in his second season. Um, but could he be the productive type of player? Yeah, I mean... Uh, that was sort of, uh, you know, at least from the draft stuff I read, the knock on him coming out of last year was like makes the right plays, is a smart player, not always the most um, athletically gifted, but just seems to be in the right spots. And, and obviously he produced above and beyond potentially what people might have thought because uh, he did have the numbers and was able to um, read things outright and, and be in the right spots. So, yeah, that's the type of player that definitely could turn into a leader, and we'll see if that develops over time. And if that is your pick, it would be a pretty young guy to do that, but uh, not unprecedented in the NFL. I mean, again, if you can play and you have that voice, then you can be a leader on a defense. Young guy and, and could do it for a few years, depending on how you know, how long he remains a chief. And the thought occurred to me as you were speaking, Jesse, that – um, uh, how many times did we see Tyron Matthew direct traffic from from safety, just trying to get his guys in the right place, and you know moving you know moving guys around, and and and, and which makes it I guess what I'm saying it makes it difficult in some aspect of being a leader uh, to come from the defensive line. I mean you can you can motivate and and uh, inspire, but you know you're your head is over the ball or, you know, look at the quarterback. It's tough to, you can't do that during game, you know, while your defense is on the field. I think it does take somebody who's, you know, who's got the game in front of him a little bit and the linebacker does, he can certainly, you know, put his head on a swivel and, and talk to others, but that's what Tyron Matthew was so good at. He just put, you know, his safety, his fellow safeties and cornerbacks in the right place. And he was, you know, and then he would put himself in in, the, in what he thought was an optimal place to to make a play. And um, again, great. I'm a great admirer of of his short t- tenure here in Kansas City. 
Uh, I hope he ends up in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I think he needs a couple of more productive years to to feel good about that, but he's on the path to get there. And um, and if he does, if if Tyron Matthew, I'm on a Tyron Matthew, you know, tangent here, but if he does, he may end up being the only player from the defense in the Hall of Fame from the you know from this era of the Chiefs, uh, you know, the the Patrick Mahomes era. We'll have to see about that topic for another day. So. All right, let's. Um, uh, here's my final question for you, Jesse. I've really enjoyed this conversation and in uh, your answers, not because they mostly align with mine, but uh, like I said not 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 because they're right, but you just enjoyed the answer, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, uh, th- this one uh, we widen out from the Chiefs and talk about the AFC West a little bit. Um, and this is a topic I want to explore greater in, a, in another podcast down the road as we get closer to the season. But um, which AFC team had the best offseason? And we're going to exclude the Chiefs in this. So we're just talking about the, the Broncos, the Raiders, and the Chargers. They all made big-time additions to their rosters. Um, they were uh, – you know, the, the Chiefs, of course, in the playoffs last year – the, Bron- or the the Raiders and the Chargers both could have been if their overtime game in the final weekend had ended in a tie, they both would have been in the playoffs. Instead, uh, it was just the Raiders. So, um, uh, so playoff quality teams in Las Vegas and LA, in addition to Kansas City last year, and then Denver makes a big addition. So anyway, uh, as it takes me forever to set it up, which of those three had the best offseason when it comes to additions? And when it comes to chasing the Chiefs, who put themselves in the best position for that? So I will uh, split the baby here on those two questions and then allow you to answer um, after this. But I think the team to me that had the best offseason in the AFC West, this is kind of going back to maybe big picture football, which is like what helps teams win the most, which is sort of why we can talk about why the Chiefs win the most, uh, is that overwhelmingly sport of football out of any sport, the quarterback makes the most difference. You know what I mean? Like if you have a good quarterback, it just completely changes what you do. That guy touches the ball so much. He influences so much. So I'll actually say the Denver Broncos had the best off season because um, they had a good defense last year and obviously had quarterbacks go through their struggles, whether it was drew lock or others. And they upgraded the most at that position that could potentially ascend them the most uh, when it comes to this division, not only that, they get the benefit of having the the cruddy schedule or the easier schedule uh, by being a last place team a year ago. So I I think, you know, you look at Khalil Mack, you know, with the Chargers, like that's a great addition. Um, you can talk about, hey, with the Chargers, they they added these pieces, JC Jackson and 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 these things that you really like what they did and you like how they upgraded their roster, but it probably got them, you know, from this already high level to this a little bit better level because they already had Justin Herbert in the mix. I will say that the Broncos had the best offseason because by adding that one player, they immediately flipped what is potentially possible for them in this season. Now, the closest to catch the Chiefs or potentially surpass the Chiefs, I'll go with the Chargers. Um, I, I think they are dangerous. Uh, I know it's probably sacrilegious to go into any season and predict the Chargers are going to beat the Chiefs in anything or, or beat them in the AFC West. I know that gets laughed at every year because every year some analysts picks it. Every year it doesn't happen for whatever reason. The Chargers lose way more than their share of close games. It seems kind of like a fluky thing, but at some point it's not fluky because uh, it is reality. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think that if they 
finish above the Chiefs in the AFC West, I don't think that's a shock. I just don't think it is um, because they are a really good team as well. So I will go with Broncos' best offseason, Chargers with the best chance to knock off the Chiefs. And I'll ask you the question, uh, who do you think had the best offseason out of the AFC West? Well, the single best acquisition was Russell Wilson to the Broncos. No no doubt about that. Changed, uh, you know, just look at what's look at what Denver has gotten at that position uh, since the retirement of Peyton Manning. It's just been awful. So they bring in a Super Bowl winning Hall of Fame, uh, you know, direction quarterback in Russell Wilson. So the single greatest acquisition for the for the uh, uh, the AFC West was the quarterback at Denver. The you, you mentioned the Chargers with uh, especially with Cleo Mack and, and J.C. Jackson. You're absolutely right. They had they had the shortest distance to travel when it comes to chasing the Chiefs. Um, they, you know, they, they came to Arrowhead and put a whipping on the, on the chiefs last year, chiefs returned the favor in, in, in LA, but I was so impressed with, um, uh, you know, with what the chargers did in, in Kansas city a year ago. And let's, uh, let's not forget that, uh, that quarterback hasn't lost at Arrowhead stadium. He's two and oh, uh, by the way. So Justin Herbert's pretty good. He's pretty he's not good. bad. Justin Herbert's not bad. And, uh, and they, they gave him, they added some defense for him, brought back Mike Williams as well, the wide receiver. And so, uh, but I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to be a little different here. The Las Vegas Raiders. There you go. Added two players that I absolutely love Devonte Adams and the defensive end Chandler Jones. I am a huge Chandler Jones guy. It gives them, um, uh, you know, just a, a, an addition to their pass rush that's going to be difficult to, to deal with. And Devontae Adams is is a weapon in the Tyreek Hill mold. So um, I'm going to say um, you, you can't deny the Russell Wilson addition will have the greatest impact on on the division. Russell Wilson to the Broncos, put him in, putting him on a team that already has a terrific defense. And now they've got the guy. They did lose Noah Fant, the tight end. But, uh, but look, I Russell Wilson's a, a, a difference-making player. But I just from from there's something about what the Raiders did, and you know, getting to the playoffs last year. Listen, I'm 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 as you know, I've been around a long time. I know the Raiders are you know it's sometimes a joke of a franchise, <laughs> but. but Maybe just to be a little different, I'm going to go with the Raiders on for this answer. You uh, talked about Noah Fan not being there. Now I'm going to put you on the spot because Albert O's there, right? Albert O's uh, the tight end, Missouri hey. and Albert O. Yep, there you oh. go. Yeah, he was, he was terrific for Missouri and, and the Drew Locke teams at, at Mizzou. So um, good call, good call. All right, Jesse, I, I enjoyed this conversation and uh, um, a good way to kind of pass the time before training camp begins, and that is in late July. I imagine we'll have another conversation before now and then. But Jesse, thanks for uh, thanks for engaging me today, and we'll do it again another time. All right, Blair, we'll see how right we were. That'll do it for today. Thanks to Randy Mason for putting together the show, and to the rest of our Sportsbeat KC staff of Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. Shout out to our sponsor, First Federal Bank. Their website is ffbkc.com. Today's Morning Sports Edition gave you all the angles on the Colorado Avalanche's clinching victory in the Stanley Cup Final, how Ole Miss rallied to beat Oklahoma for the College World Series Championship, Royals coverage, and much more. Go to liveedition.kansascity.com for more information. Hey, thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sportsbeat KC.